started a stream. I do not know what happened. That was insane. Yo. Yo. I don't know what just happened. It just kicked me out of the app, said it logged me out, and... But then I hopped in through my personal account, and then the stream was still going on. So, I, that was really weird. Get your shot. <laughs> Dude, Instagram's playing games, bro. And grappling. They're grappling. It just, no, it just kicked me out of the account. I had to re-sign back oh, in wow. and everything. Oh, so it was you. Okay, I was, I'm sorry. I thought it was yeah, me. I was I mean, like, oh, no. I, <laughs> I blew it. <laughs> that was that was strange, man. Like, out of nowhere, it just, it just said logging out, and then poof, went all black. And then it was just on my personal account. And I'm like, I thought they had deleted the account or something, man. It was, it was weird, and then, it, but it was still showing that it was going whenever through my personal account. They even let me hop in the stream. Oh, right. They're playing <laughs> games. Um, yeah, and I guess this is a good opportunity to mention we're looking to try to transition everything to Telegram. Telegram, you can stream, you can have you know unlimited people. It's you know private. We ain't got to worry about the grabblers with the language with all the nonsense where people have been getting kicked you know kicked out or deleted so sorry about that everybody i guess we completely lost that one or i'll have to look in the saved and see what if i can salvage it but anyway this is episode what are we at 378 <laughs> and this is sean for a start too all right so you you were saying that yeah in romans it says that we're no longer a slave to sin and I don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, I know where I cut it off. Long story short, um, the answer should be no, but there's probably struggles. You know, it's not as easy as a black or white yes or no. You know, Satan, the enemy, is always going to try to pull you back into your former sin, your past sin, whatever you were doing. Um, you know, that was leading you towards death in the first place. Um, and there's just always going to be seeds of doubt, seeds of worry, seeds of anxiety, just any kind of negativity planted. You know, Satan's going to always try to plant whatever seeds he can to lead you away from the path of righteousness. And um, it's your job to just say no. It's your job just to not backtrack. It's your job just to politely tell Satan to get behind you, you know. <laughs> Skedaddle. Right, <laughs> we're, not, right. we're not doing this today. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I will say no, but, you know, it's, I don't know. Like you said, like you said, the got cut off and maybe potentially lost forever. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like we can, there's parts of sin in general, just sin is a big concept. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of almost this unshakable potential we have um, that we always need to constantly be trying to fight and avoid off and run away from. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and there's two, like two main things with uh, Christianity in general and just like mindsets with people, people that really sticks out to me that I always try to like drive home is that sin is, is, you know, this word that we throw around and, and whatever, but, um, you know, sin means just simply to, to fall short of the expectation, to miss the mark, you know, like, and that, and this has been explained a million times, but it's like in uh, target practice when you're shooting an arrow at a target and you don't hit the target. So it's just not hitting where you need to hit with what you're trying to do. And so, you know, it can look a million different ways because in our, in our, 
I'll speak for myself from my process and my perspective, especially like having a long history in the church and stuff. When I hear sin, it always has this like tainted perspective, but sin can be anything. And like, there's a Bible verse that says that him that knows what to do and doesn't do it is to him. It is a sin. And then there's another Bible verse that says anything apart of faith, uh, anything apart from faith is sin. So when you like simplify it down to those two things, the, the, uh, expectation and the standard is way different than we look at things you know it's it's as simple as if god puts it on your heart to do something whatever stop to help somebody and you don't stop that's a sin the same way it would be these because it's so easy with any any of these like 10 commandments stuff or even stuff that we just know is not on point to like label that as sin but not these other things that we can kind of compartmentalize and then, you know, the other aspect and the other word that, like, I really try to drive home is re to repent. You know, like, repentance is, it's been the thing, like, to, you know, to turn away from or, you know, to stop doing something or whatever. But it's, to me, the main focus, and this is a huge part of my perspective with God, is there's so much that's focused on the negative. But the flip side of the coin is the kingdom of light is the positive. And what you focus on, you 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 get in agreement with and you draw to you. So instead of focusing on like, you know, whatever it may be, the negative behavior or what like, and this is another aspect where, you know, to repent and an essence of the word means to have a new or a better thought than you originally were thinking. So it may be from going, man, I'm an idiot. I'm not going to be able to do this to I can do this because God's going to give me the ability. So that's an example of repentance where for me personally, for years, every time I heard that word, it made me think, oh, run to an altar and name the 20 sins you did today. Or, you know, or like it, it'd be in a perpetual state of like, oh, I'm terrible, but God is great. No. You know what I mean? And, but it's like coming, coming into this fullness of, you know, I know only God qualifies me. I know apart from God, I can do nothing. And, and you know, but through him, I can do all things and all this stuff. So it, it, that is the, the transformed mind, the renewing of your mind to where you're able to see the perspective, the aerial view of the way God looks at things. And so I know that was kind of a big sidebar or whatever from what we were talking about. But, you know, it's just. I think we're, and what it goes into your next thing you said was, um, are we doing greater works than Jesus? And I know in my life and stuff and different situations, like I feel like I'm doing okay in some areas, but as far as like walking in the supernatural, walking in the power of God, walking, you know, to where it's somebody said this and I don't know, it was a random video I saw a while back or whatever, but they, they said their dad told them this when they were younger and it really resonated from, with me. He said, if you look at your life and the situations you're in and every situation or not every, you know, most situations you're in, if you see them changing for the better, you know, you're walking in the kingdom of God. Like whatever that looks like, if you're always improving it just by being there, or just by adding value or whatever. And um, that really resonated with me is it's like, how are you impacting the atmospheres and, and the, um, the situations that you're in? Yeah, yeah I like that. So. I like that, but then then you have to kind of asterisk that because you know would you be telling would you be seeing that in like Job, right? Like sometimes sometimes people are just overly tested; they're overly battle tested, you know, um, because they're walking so right, they're walking so over the target that they are being like constantly attacked and bombarded too. But I think yeah, like 
taking away that perspective, that outside perspective. Yeah, if you're just becoming a better man, like if you're just becoming a better woman, if what you're doing every day is becoming better and like more righteous, then yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I think you are doing things right, right? Um, but someone who's doing that could also like appear to be having a just horribly miserable life, you know, life of like ridiculous poverty or um, scandal or whatever it is that might not be their fault. You know, it just attacks the enemy and it just looks like they're having a bad time. Um, but yeah, um, to answer the original question, am I doing greater works than Jesus? No. Um, <laughs> no. And I want to be, I wish I was, I need to step up. Uh, we're commanded, right. We're being commanded to do that. Um, we're being promised that we will do that. And so we got to get on it. You know, those are, one of those things, like, seems like almost an impossible standard to live up to, but, like, we need to at least try, right? We can't shy away from perfection just because it's impossible. Like, we should still be striving to become better, like you said, every day. And, like, that is a good measurement. Like, are you getting better? Are you being better? Are you becoming more righteous than you were yesterday, than who that person that existed was yesterday? And are you going forward into, like, a better life? Um, not only for yourself, like for your own well-being, but for others, for the people in your life that you have responsibility for, are part of the community that you're a part of. Like, you owe it to them to become a better person, too. A better father, a better wife, a better child, a better husband, a better, you know, you name it. A pastor, priest, coach, uh, doctor, <laughs> whatever your role is in the community, you know, that you're playing, like. It is your, your job, your duty to become better at that and serve your community better, serve your family better. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, and what, when you're talking about Job and stuff, though, this was the thing that, like, where my head went really quickly was Job's friends thought that it was yeah. something he was doing. Like, he was wrong. Or, and looking on the outside, you know, then you they based – sickness these external circumstances they always assumed it was connected to sin you know even even when they um they went to the blind guy with jesus they said who sinned was it him or his parents because they thought it was a generational curse thing but like job didn't do anything i mean i well i would say the only thing he did was it says and there's a verse that says the thing which he feared was now upon him or he said the thing i fear is now upon me so the, the door the enemy came through was fear. It's always fear. It's always fear. But, you know, at the end of the story, and this is like the thing I really try to focus on with it, because, man, Job's, it's crazy. Dude. I don't know how to respond to it. I mean, he even had friends son curse God and die, just be done with it. But at the end of the story, he got the double blessing. You know, so God, even throughout all of it, and I don't know what that means or that looks like. You know, they say he had double the family or, it could have been he had the same amount and then he had the ones he had in heaven, you know, as far as, you know, the ins and outs of what actually happened. I'm sure he's looked into it further, but I've never gotten any exact clarity. It just says he had double what he had before. But um, so the next topic you had is what is faith? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not answering the question. Yeah, it's for both of us. It's, for, it's a question for both of us to answer. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you feedback. I just don't, I want to get, you know, I mean, we'll have Robert running his mouth. You know no, I mean? always, it's always good when Robert runs his mouth, you know. Um, it's never bad, it's never a bad thing. Um, 
Yeah, what is faith? I mean, that's a that's a tricky one. Because um, it is so simple, you could just be like, well, it's just trust in something above yourself, something greater than yourself. Um, yeah, I would say it, it's giving your heart to a cause or something bigger or greater than yourself and specifically like the true faith, which is like the guy who created everything, the logos of the universe, the creator that made you and loved you. Like, I mean, you can make, you can believe in anything. You can choose to like carve an idol and worship it and pretend like it's God or draw something on a wall and call it your goddess or whatever. But there is like a creator that created everything. There is logos that he created that keeps everything functional and in order and operational and having faith in that, I believe, is better. <laughs> it's going to result in good things for you, not only in your life now, like in the moment, in every moment that you're in, like being still and understanding that, um, but also for your journey. Like if you're focused on a spiritual reunion with like the creator of everything and seeking it truly with like an open, humble, honest heart, to me that is like faith and that is like pursuing what's good, true, and beautiful, pursuing logos, you know, that is, to me, the true faith of a person can have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with this is my opinion, whatever, but I don't, it, it's hard for me to think that anybody can really believe in anything else without believing in God. And I know that's like a stretch and a blanket statement, but I don't know. I think it's so like it's so foundational though and you know simply put like cutting through all this stuff to me like faith is just trust and you know like anonymous and so it's like it's it's supernatural man like you know people want something tangible or something concrete and even even being quote-unquote a christian or whatever it's easy to look for the absolutes and that's one of the blind spots where whether it be truthers or whoever whatever like we want we want to be able to explain stuff away and but i believe that god is attracted to to the blind faith because it's not blind it's like it's a it's a quiet just gentle resting in assurance but it it looks like foolishness to people yeah. that don't understand it and there's even times and situations where even when you're walking in like real like true faith where it shakes you or you waver in it because it's surrender you're saying apart from in and of myself i can't do whatever this thing is or what you know whatever i'm believing for and it's just knowing without god showing up no, it's not going to turn out the way yep. you want it to. I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Is. There's an awesome, um, awesome verse. I'm, I want to break. I'm going to break it down eventually on my live stream. I think it's Isaiah 44. It could be 45, but he's writing about, um, you know, there's this man. He's talking about there's this man, and you know, he's out in the woods and he cuts down a tree, and so he takes the wood and you know he divides it up in half, and half of it he makes a fire. And, you know, he cooks his food on this fire, and this fire keeps him warm. And with the other half of the wood, he carves an idol, and he worships that idol. And he's giving his thanks and his love and his appreciation, like, to this wood idol. And it's he's kind of saying, like, you know, this guy, 
thinks that this wood is what provided him with the warmth and with the nutrition and with the comfort. You know, he's he's worshiping this wood, this physical created object, you know, this physical object in nature. And it's really awesome when you like, because some people can just read over and be like, okay, this is a weird, confusing thing. Like, I get it. Don't worship a false idol. Okay, blah, 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 blah. But when you really look into the deeper meaning, like man is made to worship. Like man is made to have faith. And if you're not going to put that faith in God, yeah. you're going to put it in just whatever you can find, whatever is providing you with comforts and warmth and pleasure. You know, it might just be a block of wood. <laughs> like I was saying, it might just be like a painting on a wall that, you know, has, when you've prayed to it, statistically more times you've gotten what you wanted than not, you know, so therefore it's now your God and you worship it because man was made to worship and we were made to worship the true yeah. one who deserves it. But if we aren't finding that, if we are like a non-believer, if we are in denial of like our creator, his existence, what we were saying earlier, like his logos, his, his, his goodness, his truth, his love, his beauty, um, we're going to find created things to worship. You know, instead of worshiping the creator who deserves it, we're going to put our faith, our trust, our appreciation, our love, our energy into what has been created. And it's kind of a one or the other. Like you're going to do one or the other because we weren't designed and made to worship. So people, and I know, like you said, like yeah. I for 28 years thought that like it, religion was goofy and Christianity was a lie. Like I just bought all the lies because I was born and raised to be a non-believer. And I lived in that secular minded worldview, which was that, which was I worshiped created. I worshiped, you know, having fun and getting pleasures and, you know, being high and having sex and doing like temporary things. And I worshiped like money and possessions and status, you know, all of these things that are created. And it wasn't until I encountered the creator that I truly, like you said, like gave and submitted myself to him instead of continuing to just blindly worship the created. I now see and know and understand the creator and I'm trying to worship him at all times and give praise to him and follow his right ways at all times. Um, so what is faith? Uh, yeah, that it's <laughs> believing and trusting in the creator instead of just temporarily worshiping or loving or, or trusting or idolizing what has been created in nature, the stuff experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you, man. We, we are designed to worship. And what, whatever, you know, whatever you give your affection, whatever you have adoration for, uh, whatever you respect or revere, those are the things that you're going to end up giving, you know, your energy to. And I mean, I've, and that's one of the mindsets, like I've had to, I've grown a lot in different areas. Like I had this mindset that like worship was was music or a time of meditation with music or, you know, like these different typical dynamics. But worship is anything you do that brings pleasure to you and to the creator. So your worship could be working in the garden, be doing your job really well, whatever that looks like, or it could be, you know, being a good friend or, you know, it it's, you know, it's an overflow. And I believe that in those times and moments where we have like real bliss and, you know, the satisfaction of relationship or interaction with whether it be nature or, you know, another person or whatever that, that God 
um, has gets satisfaction from that as well because we're work, we're working and operating in your actual design and function. And so he, you know, I, I believe he looks down. And he said, "That's what I created them for, right there. Is is oneness with me and with each other and with the creation." And um, so it's it's something, and, and there's times and stuff because it's I, I believe it's a posture, it's a mindset and stuff where no matter what you're doing, you can have that awareness of God's presence and you can have that gratitude. And, you know, I think that it's, it, there's moments and tough and there's times where I'm like really mindful of it and I'm like locked in and there's times and seasons and stuff where, you know, you have to kind of push to yeah. be aware of it. You know, it's like the thing, this is kind of the verse that's been sticking out in my head today. And I think it's interesting just the timing with stuff, but um, the, I don't even remember the dynamics so I can find it. It's in the Old Testament, but it's talking about the Israelites in Egypt and stuff. And it says, and they departed in their mind. So, you know, I believe that we're separated from God in our awareness. You know, it said, there's a verse that says, if you go to the depths of Sheol, I'll be there. Or if you go, you know, there's, there's no, there's no measure for his love, the height and depth and width and stuff where, no matter what, he he can choose to be in that atmosphere. He's not like restrained by any context or any of the creation he has for the layers of reality. But what can limit us is just being mindful of the fact that he actually is present. That he's, you know, it's the verse was it? I'm an ever-present help in a time of need. That I'm, you know, that I'm closer than brother. Well, I mean, even Jesus said, "I'll never, I'll never leave you nor forsake you." You know, like. So it's just like knowing that in those moments and those times where you're locked in and like, okay, no matter what's going on, whether it's like mental anguish, emotional or whatever, you know, or even physical pain, it's like constantly being locked into where he's, you know, where he's at and, and being aware of that. Yeah. But um, I wanted to chat, man, we've been going almost 40 minutes already. We did. Sorry, guys, for the little reset. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties. We got gravel. Yeah. So, Amish, Joe, what up, Copper? I'm just kind of scrolling through quick. Yeah, well, sweet. Um, what was it? The next one. This is a good question. I know there's a lot of people with this. Do you know you were born again? Yes. <laughs> I will not elaborate further. <laughs> I know I know. I mean, I've, I've had a peace in my heart for for several years. It's not, I mean, it says that grace is a free gift, that we have to choose it, that, you know, it's not determined by our works. And so, is there's times and stuff, and I understand, I've heard mo a lot of people say, I struggle with knowing that I'm going to heaven or, you know, knowing where I'm at or whatever. And I can't tell you when the shift happens or whatnot, but if you're dialed in, you know if you have God in your life. You know if you're hearing clearly. You know if you have the conviction of Holy Spirit and all that, right? Regardless of how much fruit you do or don't have or, how, you know, there's some people that they, they got some stuff to work out, but like you can tell if you're locked in with God and, you know, you can choose to waver in it. You can choose to go back and forth or whatever. But, um, you know, the, the main thing that I encourage people with it and, and I can't, no, I can't, I don't speak for anybody else's salvation. I can't tell you 
whether you are or not or whatever, it says to work out, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, you know, it's, it's a personal thing. You may think somebody's way off track and they do have a good connection with God. They're just having trouble applying what, where that fruit is in their life. But, um, you know, there's a verse in Romans that says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So, you know, it's, a, it's always a heart condition. It's always your internal process and, and, and all that. And the kingdom within overflowing to be revealed and manifested in your life externally. But I would say um, there's nothing you can put a price tag on it or, you know, there's nothing I would, I mean, I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. Me knowing that my connection with God is real and no, there's, you couldn't convince me that, that God isn't real. You couldn't convince me. I've had, I'm beyond convincing that God's just a figment of my, my imagination. And so the more you come into the knowledge and revelation of him, I believe that you grow in that revelation of who you are in him. And then you become secure at a place where even if you may make a mistake here or there or whatever, you you have an assurance that blessed assurance of knowing that your relationship is secure yeah. So, yeah. and i know i mean it's a it's an interesting well, yeah, it's a, topic for sure i was gonna say it's um you know whatever your answer is you're gonna have a, like six other denominations hate you instantly right because that's a big dividing line of like what is salvation you know and that's basically why we have so many different christian denominations like you have works-based gospels, faith-based gospels, you have predetermined gospels, you have free will gospel, you know, you have this, but to me, when I read the Bible over and over again, the gospel to me is clearly a faith-based gospel, and salvation is afforded to you by God's grace through your faith. You know, the works are definitely, they have to follow, right? It's faith, then works. Some people want to say works, then faith, or you have to have both. To me, it's true, like you were saying earlier, like what is faith, like pure humbling of the heart, true repentance, true exiting your your choices to rebel against God in his right ways and to seek him and reunite with him um, for eternity. That heart change has to happen. And that is when salvation is achieved, like truly, like salvation to me is of the spirit. Um, so then, you know, I'll get in debates because yeah. all my friends are Baptists or Church of Christ where they believe salvation happens when you're, you know, dipped in water, like when you're baptized, like physically baptized. Um, to me, I, when I read the gospel, when I read interactions that happen with Jesus, um, I see a man who saved people based on their faith, not because they were dipped in water. You know, I think it's important. Obviously we're, you know, about a water baptism seems important, right? I'm going to say that I'm not like a, you never need to get baptized. It's stupid. It's, it's not important. We're definitely told to do that. But when you're talking about like salvation, like have you been born again, that is spiritual. That's not just entering into a physical water thing or not, you know. So I get real divided. That's why I was like, oh, I will not elaborate because I'll probably start 10 different fights with 80 different people, you know, by giving my response. But, um, you know, that could be a whole debate if you want or whatever, not just on this podcast, but beyond it. Um, but, you know, to me, it's like time and time again, you, you see people like the thief on the cross. Jesus says to him just blatantly, like, you were going to be with me in heaven today. And like that man was never baptized. You know, he found salvation through his faith in that moment, in that last moment with, with Christ right there. You know, all the people that, that Jesus healed, 
you know, healed healed cripples, healed the healed the lepers, healed the sick, and just basically said, "Go and sin no more. Go, my son, be free." You know, he didn't heal them, but then say, "Okay, now let me dip you in water." Because other, otherwise, you're not going to be saved. You know, <laughs> it's time and time and time again we see Jesus interacting with people, and it's a faith-based salvation. It's, do you believe in me? Are you willing to place your trust in me? Are you willing to turn away from that life that you have been living, turn away from this like spiritual uncleanliness, and accept me as your savior? Yes. Okay. Go be free. Go be healed. Go be saved. You know, the water should come after that, but the salvation to me clearly. With all the people that interacted with Jesus, it was a true faith of the heart. And then, like you said, after that is going to follow works. It's going to follow obedient walks uh, in that faith. But to me, again, yeah, salvation and being born again is of the spirit. It's of your heart. Yeah, yeah. I was just reading Amish's comment. He said that it's more of an outward expression. I, and I agree with that. I think it, I'm, I'm all with it. I've definitely been baptized and stuff. Um, you know, it's just more of a, cause you know, the water represents the spirit, just like Sean was saying a second ago and stuff. So yeah, I mean, we're on the same, and I feel like with some of this stuff, I need to throw a disclosure out or a disclaimer, <laughs> I should say, cause, uh, I'm similar mindset as Owen is at this point with a lot of it, but if you disagree with me, it's okay. You don't have to, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about stream or like no emails, no, you know. I think will, but I'm just saying, like, one of my perspectives, I'm working some stuff out, but unless you actually have real relationship with me, if you come at me, tell me who I am, I'm just going to be like, okay, bro. <laughs> Agree to disagree. We move on and talk about fun stuff, interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy the conversations, but it's just like, that's one of the things that I've been thinking about as well as like people don't understand how, you know, if you don't have a relationship with somebody, if, you, if they don't value your opinion, or whatever, then if you go into this big long spill about different, like, especially things that are important to their heart that they're trying to do the right thing in, but they may be a little off or misguided, whatever, they're probably going to be defensive. Probably. I mean, you know, you you got to like realize what access you have to somebody's life and if you can't speak into their life not receptive then you're just wasting your energy and i feel like so many times a lot of this stuff's like if, if me and you are having a conversation or whatever like i'm open to your input i'm open to your feedback but if somebody like i've never had a conversation with or whatever if they dm me i'm i'll probably read it and i'll like i, I do way through it but then i'm gonna be like you don't know anything about me you don't know my life you don't know my process so like i'm gonna be less receptive to them yeah. than somebody else right but um and, and the next thing i mean it's like we're we're going through um jesus said unless one is born again it cannot see the kingdom of god what does that mean unless jesus said what you cannot unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of no. god <laughs> fact yeah <laughs> oh what does it mean um well it even says what does it mean, does it mean? Okay. Just really <laughs> yeah unless one is born again yeah that's that's when he's talking when, when he's talking to um I want to say pilot. That's the name that's coming to my mind. Um, 
the Pharisee that comes to see him in the night. Yeah, the John three sixteen, right? You must be born again. And that's kind of what we were talking about, right? Like, what is salvation? What is being born again? And yeah, like, you're not going to be, I think you are going to be removed from God if you don't choose to walk towards him. If you're not making that choice in your heart and in your life to walk towards righteousness, like you said, like repentance, and then it's called sanctification, which is one of those big churchian words, you know, but basically like sanctification is the process that happens after repentance. So you were lost, you, something happened where you encountered Christ for the first time, then you repent of what you did wrong and you go forward. And what is that action now going forward? It's called sanctification. It's the process of the trial and error process where, yeah, Nicodemus, sorry, I was thinking Pilate for some reason. I couldn't think of the name. Uh, definitely not Pilate. <laughs> yeah, the sanctification process is basically just the trial and error where you're trying to exit that life you once had of sin and walk towards a life of righteousness, right? You're walking towards the light and away from the darkness. And if you're not doing that, if you're not seeking that salvation, if you're not accepting that, if you've encountered Christ and you have this moment to radically recognize who you were and who you don't want to be in the future, um, if that has been afforded to you and you're choosing to not go through the sanctification process, yeah, like I don't think you will enter into eternity with him. I think your heart is still in rebellion. If you're willing, if you're not willing to let go of your past and walk forward into a new life, like a new life of being born again and seeking genuine, true, real spiritual reunion with God, your eternity is not going to be with him. Um, so that's key. Like a lot of people, they want to preach the gospel everywhere, which, yeah, good. We're supposed to do that, do that, you know, but we also have to have to be like intentional with people too. Like we can't just have them hear the gospel. We have to like be there to help them walk through the, radical change that's going to have to happen in their lives you know if there's someone who's never heard the gospel before they've never had god and now they all of a sudden you're going to preach the gospel to them you're going to share the truth of their creator with them and then just kind of like let them walk on their own um a lot of people are not going to go through they're not going to know how to follow through with the right steps you know they don't know the, what the right next steps are following a conversion following an encounter with christ and you know, it's not our job to go through like baby everyone and hold everyone's hand uh, through the process. Like everyone does have their own journey where they do have to go through it on their own. But we also have to be there to help them and to be with them and to like lead them towards righteousness um, and not just assume that everyone's going to like figure it out, you know. And sanctification is a messy process and it's like a messy thing. It's a, it is trial and error. It's okay. I don't want to do these bad things I, I've done my whole life. And you try to break these habits, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be 100% success rate on everything. Like, you're going to fail. But the, the key is, like, getting back up and right. keeping on walking. Like, you have a marathon to run. You can run it in a world record-breaking time, or you might be in last place. But as long as you're still running that marathon, you're still running in the right direction towards righteousness, towards an eternity with God, that's the finish line you're trying to cross. As long as you keep walking, you keep heading in that direction, eventually you're going to get there. Um, the problem is those who choose not to finish the race, those who give up, those who backtrack, those who make the decision like they know that they're in a race, they know that the goal, the end line, the finish line is an eternity with God, 
and they know what they have to do is keep running and keep finishing that race and they choose to do something else, like they choose to not do that, um, yeah, those people are not going to spend eternity with God. Like they made their choice, you know. But yeah, we should be there with people, helping them. As we run the race, we should be encouraging them to run with us, you know, come come with me, you know, follow me as I follow Christ kind of concept. Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to acknowledge the chat again. What's up, Fair Razor? Hobbit, Liberty Stead, Bowler, I I don't even know how to say that. Forgive me, St. Lawrence, Art Department, Poet for Life. What's up, guys? I'm trying to you know what's up, Harley. All the dudes in again. the chat. Um, <laughs> all the bros. Um, the, okay, what does Satan look like? Ooh. That's a good question. <laughs> was, yeah, I don't know what he looks like, but I know what he smells like. I would say I, I, Satan is a familiar scent to me because I lived 28 years being a very useful idiot, a very useful minion of his, you know, living in my fallen state. So I have this like, what I, it's like a little phrase, a little phrase, jokey phrase I like to use, which is like, I can smell Satan coming a mile away because like, I do know what Satan smells like. Like I've been there. I've been living in that darkness before. Like I know the temperature. I know the, the scent. Yeah, thanks, Buller. <laughs> thanks for that, Buller. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, what he looks like, I don't know, just ungodliness, unrighteousness. When you see people just demonically possessed, when you see people just like full of hate, full of anger, when you see a spirit of fear in people, when you see just like that, all that negative spirit infesting people, like that is Satan right there. I don't necessarily think he's like a, red-skinned horned man <laughs> you know living underneath in the shield of the earth or whatever i think what satan looks like is evil is darkness it is hate it is anger it is like jealousy and resentment it's everything ugly bad and um false in this world um i guess <laughs> that would be my answer to that yeah what do you think yeah yeah i mean i just the thing that's always rung true for me as far as the the devil, whatever, you know, all, there's all these different terms like Lucifer, Satan, whatever. But simply put, I, I, brought, I bunch it all into the kingdom of darkness. Anything that is of the, the fallen nature or whatever. Um, but like simply put, I just look at it as accuser of the brethren. So it's anything that um, tries to leave you powerless, condemned, victim, um, you know, all these negative fallen perspectives, anything that makes you look like you can't overcome, you know, like I believe that all that stuff is rooted in the demonic. And, you know, because it's like, and this is something I've really thought about a lot and I don't know really where to put it it's just one of those things that floats around periodically but okay what and this is what I believe as well I'm throwing this out there as a, a disclaimer but I believe before the fall before we partook of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil whatever that was whether it was an apple or you know but I believe that before that we only knew good we didn't have any of the the or you know any of the nature that is of the upside down and so it's like looking back, and so it's anything that came with the fall would be connected to the 
the demonic realm or the kingdom of darkness. Um, but I, I imagine a world where it's like, like, imagine if all you had was truth flowing through your thoughts. If all you had was seeing the good and the, the limitless possibilities and all that. And that that's crazy, man. I think it's almost something that people are frightened of because they think that they're going to be oblivious or, you know what I mean? Like the, the deceive you in that or whatever. But if, if it's, if it's from that elevation, highest level of frequency, I, I think that it, I don't know. I, it's, I'm still working some of it out, even while we're talking about it. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, um, have you ever read screw tape Letters? So I like, um, I, I did a whole stream where I kind of read through a bunch of like the profound stuff and summarized or whatever, did a deep dive into it, it was awesome. But um, I really like how you know, for those of you who haven't read it out there, watching or listening to this, like, it's the perspective of two demons interacting. Well, it's really just one, it's really just a collection of letters from one demon to another responding to hit this other demon's things, you know. And basically, it's it's just an inversion, which is perfect. It's like everything about it in the book is so perfect because it's explaining this inversion. Like, what does evil want to do to good? You know, because we're so used to hearing, like, what, as we as a good person, how do we stop evil or fight against evil or keep evil away? But it's this perfect twisting of it. And I like the phrase that this demon uses in his writing where he says, the enemy, right? He keeps saying, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. Like, don't let the enemy blah, 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 blah. The enemy doesn't want blah, 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 blah. And what this demon means is God, mostly. So he capitalizes enemy. It's like God, bigger picture but it's also just the spirit of God. So like a, like a person that's just truly on a, on a righteous path is also like the enemy. So it's not just God himself. And so if you're going to reflip that back around, who's our true enemy, like, right. As God fearing, God loving Christians, the enemy to us, isn't just Satan. It's people who like embody the spirit of Satan as well. Um, so I like that phrase, like you're retwisting around the inversion, which is who is our enemy? Yeah, it's Satan, but it's also like people who like embody his spirit, people who are his useful minions. You know, it's not just this one guy somewhere. <laughs> it's a spirit. It really is like it can infest anyone at any time. Um, it's not just some guy in the underworld waiting for us after death. Like it's something that we have to fight and combat now at all times, all around us. Um, so I'd like thinking of that, like, it's not just like good and evil. Isn't just God versus Satan. It's like all of us as well. Like we're wrapped up in that spiritual battle and it's a, it is spiritual. Like that is a very key word in that sentence. Like seeing God isn't just seeing the man. There is God. You will see him one day if you are, you know, born again and you enter into his kingdom. But you also see God in what is good, true, and beautiful. And like people's spirit, like people who are walking in his spirit, like you will see God in that person. You will be blown away by the light that shines through that person. And then the opposite is true as well. You know, you'll see Satan, not just in eternity, if you're unfortunate enough to go there, if you didn't choose correctly and walk right and you do end up in an eternity with in hell, like you will see Satan, but also here and now before that, like you're going to see Satan in people who are just living in his spirit, living with a satanic spirit, plaguing their heart or rebelling against God in their heart. 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. There's a couple of things you hit on that were directions I wanted to go with. One that you were talking about and stuff. Man, I've never seen or heard so many people talking about horoscopes and tarot cards and all that stuff. And, you know, to each his own with the, the, the bears that may dabble with that or whatever. But I'm telling you, that stuff has power. And it's not which where you want to be getting your energy from. But, um, you know, it's just where people are hungry for the supernatural. And they, you know, you're seeing it everything with TV, movies, all this. It's all supernatural. It's all very wicked. It's all very dark. But it's because people are craving that more, that the, 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 the way we were designed. I believe we were designed to walk in the supernatural, like, constantly, whether it be just yeah. creative powers or, you know, whatever. But, you were talking about um, seeing God in creation. And one of the questions you had was, uh, how do you see God? I thought that was like, just kind of flowed right into that question. How, you know, for me personally, I see God more in nature and in other people than anything else. And it's been something that even since a very small, you know, very young age where um it made me knew, know and even feel God's presence being in nature by myself playing or whatever. But then it's like you, I, personally, I think it's pretty much impossible to see, you know, a newborn baby or something yeah. and not see God in it. And so it's like, that's the things that I see as far as natural or whatever, the obvious, but just in, you know, and seeing God in an atmosphere or whatever, to me, a lot of times it just comes in a, in a still small piece where it's like uh, sometimes even like a coolness or a refreshing to the atmosphere, or sometimes it's in just the fire and the heat of, of God. You know, that there's a verse that says, our God is an all-consuming fire. And, you know, the, there's a connection, even with, you know, it was the fire by night that led the Israelites. So, um, you know, I don't know, what are some other areas or some other things where in moments where you've looked or experienced and you're like, there is definitely God all over that situation or, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the little things and in the big things, you know, when you look at bigger picture, like existence is so mind blowing. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, that's so profoundly unbelievable how like this has all been created and that we exist and that we have consciousness and like, Every time you hear like facts, whether it be gravel or not, like just really interesting facts about energy or how the body works or like biology or like any kind of interesting scientific fact, like to me, it's just this overwhelming, like unbelievable proof of how complex like everything is, like how powerful the logos of God truly is, that he breathed, that he, that energy came out of him and existence happened, creation happened, like that stuff is so amazing <laughs> so you can literally see god in everything if you're thinking big picture and then small picture like even just and i was kind of having this thought and this discussion with someone a couple weeks ago because like so my baptist friends will disagree with me on this thought i have which is that i think like every baby is born sinless like perfect and that like the basically the second it's born it comes into a corrupted world and so it becomes corrupted so then it's a debate, like, does that, is that born, baby born with sin? Like, is that, does that baby in the womb, does it have sin because it was inherited through the bloodline or does it become corrupted because it enters into a fallen world? Um, so 
that's again, that's like a whole other debate <laughs> that we don't want to get into. But my position of it was like, and the way I was kind of relating it to is like a seed. So when you have like a seed for like a tree, let's just say like a tree, like an oak tree, you know, that seed is like perfect. It's like this perfect thing in like the smallest, most simple form. And so like you plant the seed and eventually it sprouts and starts growing and like it becomes corrupted because now it's growing into like a fallen world. Like there's going to be stuff attacking it, stuff trying to eat it, you know, bacteria trying to eat it, animals trying to eat it. Like the environment it's in, like there's going to be too much water. There's not going to be not enough water. It's going to be really cold at times. It's going to be too hot at times. Like that tree as it grows is facing like the corruption of this world, the decay of this world, the entropy of our reality, like the breaking down. And it's trying to fight against that. And so there is no like perfect tree but to me, like the seeds are perfect. So I would say like in a similar way, and I'm not saying we're just the same thing as plants and seeds <laughs> as human beings. But if you take that same concept of like the original basic component of our lives, like our souls are to me, like in their, their first original state, like perfect, like God's perfect creation. And then we're born and we start growing up in just the chaos, the, all of the sin that's around us in our culture, with people in our world, like the battles we have to face, the struggles we face, I think it corrupts us. And so then going back to what we were saying is that's why we need salvation. Like, why did we need Jesus to, you know, be crucified and resurrected? Why did we need, why do we need the gospel? Like, why do we need to be saved? It's because we are sinners. It's because this world has made us corrupted and sinful. And the salvation that we have, the chance we have to escape from that, is afforded to us now by Jesus, through Jesus, through the Son of God with his sacrifice, you know. But it's a theological debate that <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into it or avoid it, but it's like, are we born into sin or are we born with sin? You know, you're going to have a lot of different debate or a lot of different answers and perspectives on that but going back to the original one is like how do you see god like to me that is like an unbelievable like seeing something as small as like a little seed sprout and then grow into a massive tree to me that's god like that is this unbelievable bigger picture of like god's crazy plan where like little tiny things can grow into like big giant massive things that can be used for like thousands and millions of different things you know that can bring about something else good true or beautiful you could take that wood and build a beautiful church that people will worship god in for a thousand years you know or it could just be like burned down randomly you know and even that chaos and randomness can also be pretty beautiful you know in the end it could bring about something better in the end too so the bigger picture and every little small thing like each individual little tiny seed can be something amazing that points me to a beautiful benevolent omniscient omnipresent creator and just the bigger picture of everything like just the fact that we exist and that all this is happening is just to how you see your creator yeah yeah i mean i'm not i don't want to like deep dive into it but as far as the original sin and stuff it's something and i think even owen brought this up a while back and it kind of brought me back to that because i've actually been on both sides of it a couple of different times where I believed in original sin. I didn't believe in original sin, whatever. I mean, there, you know, it says that, you know, we, that 
in Psalm, it talks about that I was born in iniquity in my mother's womb and, and stuff like that, whatever. There's, ver there's verses to support both perspectives is what I'll say. Um, I, I don't disagree with you, though, as far as because I believe that babies are fully initiated in the spirit realm and they actually kind of unlearn their initiation awareness. And because I've seen, experienced and heard all kinds of stories of like babies having interaction with angels or all kinds of stuff, man. So like, I believe there's a purity and an innocence that the spirit realm is drawn to, especially, you know, children, newborns, whatever. Um, but so I don't know. I, I I believe that the sin nature is separate from because you know, a lot of stuff there's there's generational curses and blessings so that factors in but then as far as a lot of stuff is taught behavior you know if if a child is is nurtured in an atmosphere there's no trauma there's no you know they are they are raised to be a good kind loving compassionate person then a lot less nonsense is going to come into the equation with that person. So it's, it's an interesting topic. I don't, I mean, and I definitely distinguish if I felt exactly one way or another, but um, it's, it's interesting. I'll say that it's one of those subjects. A lot of people feel the extreme way. And I, I mean, I get it because you want to, especially if you're an optimistic person, you want to believe the best you want to. It's like, well, well, if God's just, if he's righteous, then why would a child be entered into an equation that they're already in a losing side, right? So there's there's a lot of valid arguments and different things. Yeah. When it comes to that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bring it up at your next Bible study and see how it goes. <laughs> Take one of the stances and see how it goes for you. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's just like some of those things it's hard right. for me to grapple with. Like if... Uh, you know, the, an aborted baby or like a miscarried baby, like it's tough for me to like, where does that soul go? Does it get reincarnated? Does it go to heaven? Does it go to hell because it was just born with sin? Like it's, you know, and I'm sure there's wiser people than me who've studied theology and stuff, like really studied the Bible more who could probably answer this with scripture. But to me, I still haven't really found a good answer or an explanation to that. And it's really tough for me to like, just think that all these lives are like all these souls are just being sent to like hell because they never had a chance to like be born again to experience and encounter Christ in the world. So do they just by default, like do these souls disappear? Do they just get a fast pass into heaven? Do they go to hell? You know, do they get reincarnated and retried? Like are they reborn somewhere else? Um, and that's just one of those things, bigger picture, like, I don't know. I'll never know. Maybe one day in eternity, hopefully God could tell me if I still have that like inclination to want to know when I meet him in eternity. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's just God. Like you just have to trust God, know that God is good and that like whatever's happening is for the best and that I don't have any power over it. I don't have any control over it and I can't let it control me. I can't let that stress or that like whatever it may be, that fear, that anxiety, that, that doubt I have, like, actually caused me to fall off in my life. You know, I can't, like, linger on that and just kind of place my trust that God's got a bigger and better plan than I ever could, you know. But it just, on the, on the basic level of that, just the being curious and, like, understanding that I don't need to know, um, it is tough for me to see, like, like a, a one-year-old baby die of disease and, like, not think that, like, that baby was pretty pure and innocent. You know, <laughs> that it hasn't really been 
corrupted, that it's not this like evil sinner who never got a chance to repent. But then sometimes you look at kids who are like four or five and they're just the worst. Like they're like liars, they're cheaters, they're stealers. And two, it's like, well, this kid's a, a mess, but like, has it had enough time to really like learn? Has anyone really preached the gospel to it? Well, you know, like, so I don't really know what the right time or the right age is in someone's life, the stage or the period in someone's life where like, they truly can like recognize like I am a sinner and I need salvation and, or I'm a sinner and I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it because I like that anyways. And I don't believe in God or trust in God um, at least yet. So I don't know. There's a lot of debate on that. But for me, I think because of all that, I hate to think of, I hate to like want and think, want to think that like unborn babies who die in the womb for whatever reason are like, just somehow gone or like in hell, you know? So for me, like that line of reasoning, that wants that I have kind of makes me think like, well, they must be pure and perfect then. <laughs> They're probably with God then, not suffering, you know? But yeah, I don't know, Ram rambling over, sorry, rambling. I'll stop rambling about thoughts I haven't really definitely... been like well thought out or prepared. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> well, and some other questions you had was, uh, was Jesus weak? No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. But you wouldn't know that if you went to most churches in America today, you know, they like to portray Jesus as very weak, very powerless. Um, and I don't see a powerless man at all <laughs> in the gospel, you know. Jesus was a strong man, like like a strong, powerful alpha man. And our culture likes to water that down and pretend like he's very, like, effeminate. And, you know, he is, I mean, he is compassionate. He is loving. He is gentle. Like, he is all that stuff because he is the alpha and he is the omega. Like, he is the first. He is the last. He is the embodiment of the perfect man. He also has like all the characteristics of what a perfect woman should strive to be too, you know, but our culture likes to portray Jesus as very like weak and defenseless and, you know, overly comfortable and overly soft when in fact he rebuked people left and right. He told the, the powerful that what they were doing was bad and wrong. He also told the powerless what they were doing was bad and wrong. You know, he was going to like people who were like, prostitutes and cripples and saying like rise stand up and go sin no more like stop doing this go for like you're 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 messing up bro stop <laughs> you know he's also going to like the powerful people he's going to the sadducees and the pharisees the, the religious leaders the political leaders of his day and he's also saying stop you need to stop doing this what you're doing is wrong you're leading people astray you know so he wasn't overly gentle and nice like he wasn't weak like a lot of people want to portray him to be he was actually pretty strong he was speaking truth to power he was speaking to people who were spiritually unclean mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean to me that's like it takes insane an insane amount of like confidence confidence and um strength in general to tell people the truth that they need to hear um instead of just stuff that's going to make them feel better or stuff that's going to make them like you or stuff that's going to benefit you um, telling people you're a sinner and you need to stop right now. I'm giving you the opportunity to stop and go forward and sin no more. That takes a lot of strength. You know, that's not a weak man at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I don't know. I mean, even with the Sadducees and stuff, he said yeah. you brood of vipers. <laughs> and people don't that's a big deal back then. Nobody, I mean, they were fearfully these men. These these men had influence, they had power, and, and they could make your life hell if you called them out, especially when they think they're the most noble person in the room. And so, I mean, even even when it says that they, he was like, a, a, they led him like a lamb to the slaughter, to the crucifix. And so even that, not to say a word while people are spitting on you, while they're cursing you, while you're dragging this gigantic wooden cross, like, you know, being beaten, being tortured, he, yeah. he didn't say a word. Imagine how much yeah. it takes to do that. And I mean, from a natural standpoint, and this was the whole thing they didn't get. Everybody's like, oh, we'll provoke him or we'll motivate him or we'll stir him to be like David and pick up the sword and like start chopping Joker's heads off. And he's like, I'm, I'm moving completely different. My kingdom looks completely different. And so, you know, it's it's not a violence. It's an inner strength and a, like a, um, a confidence in who you are, regardless of what anybody else said. You know, like, I mean, multiple times even um, when people came to him or the crowd was trying to promote him or whatever, he said, it's not my time yet like you're not going to push me in to do something that's not in the the flow of what yeah. the father has me to do so i, I thought that yeah. was cool but and the next next question i have is was jesus emotional? <laughs> oh yeah that's a jesse lee peterson question i know yeah i'll say no i actually say no and i think and again bring this up at your next bible study and see how how um Peace and loving and getting along and hugs happen after after bringing something like this up. But no, like I don't see an emotional man at all. I see a man of logos, a man of like true love and true truth, which are not emotional. I think emotions are like something we have inherited by living in this fallen state, like in this flesh body. I don't think souls are emotional. I think our bodies and our flesh state, our fallen state, earthly physical being is something that's emotional. And I think time and time again, you see like examples throughout the Bible of emotional people being led to their destruction, emotional people giving into their emotions and being led away from God and away from righteousness, emotions that lead people into all kinds of sins, emotions that cause all of the fall of so many great men, so many men who are doing things the right way and whatever emotion leads them astray from that. And I think Jesus didn't have emotions. I think there's some mistranslations. I think there's misconceptions. The phrase or the example people like to bring up if you're going to talk about this is that, you know, well, he got angry and flipped the tables. It's like, well, go back and reread that because he never got angry. It just said he flipped the tables. So we, as like fallen people who get emotional, who battle and struggle with emotions, whether we like it or not, um, we read someone who walks into a temple and flips the tables of the money changers and says, get out as being someone who's like emotional and angry and over almost overreacting to a situation. I see that as like actually just someone like a man with confidence and discernment who's in the right, who's acting strongly. Like I don't see it as some like gamma male, like get out of my dad's house. You don't belong here. And like screaming and flipping the tables, you know, and like, he's all mad. I see like a calm, rational person saying like, you don't belong here, get out. Flipping the tables, like physically just being like, get out of here. Um, so, I mean, you can debate what emotions are, like what what's not, but I think emotions are 
something we've inherited in our sinful fallen state and it leads us astray and i think when you truly tap into the logos of god you'll see that it's logic like it is it's order it's structure it's and love is not an emotion like love is an action love is like an, an encompassing act of your being it's a true experience of the heart it's not like a petty temporary feeling um you get from like watching a movie or <laughs> liking someone you know a certain way and feeling good inside good tingly stomach feelings butterfly feelings inside like i see those emotional states as inevitable like as human beings we're going to have that you're going to stub your toe on a door and get angry like your body is going to get mad but as like people who are seeking god we need to learn how to like ignore those thoughts and reject those emotions and like get back into the flow state of logos which is just logic and reason and pure love and pure truth um so I don't think like emotions are going to happen because we're humans, but I don't think that humans should be emotional and we shouldn't be embracing it. And we shouldn't be encouraging it. We shouldn't be excusing. Like I see too often Christians like excusing away their anger or excusing away their fear as if it's like natural. Well, it's just natural for a human to be angry. It's like, yeah, it's natural to be a sinner, but we should be seeking to overcome that. Right. We should be seeking to tap into true spiritual reunion with god with what like through the through his logos through like the logos that has been offered to all and move away from like our feelings and our pleasure seeking and our like wants and our desires and our egotistical thoughts um and i think all that is yeah (laughs) what in summary why it's bad to be emotional like emotions are going to happen you're going to get angry but you should overcome that you should seek to overcome that just like sin is naturally going to happen but you shouldn't be a sinner you should be seeking to avoid that sin that's so natural to us as fallen humans fleshly physical beings we should be seeking to overcome that just like we should be with our emotions as well and so no i don't think jesus was emotional because i think he was truly tapped into that logos he truly was living in like the flow state and for the one or two little examples that people like to pick out and say look at this one little verse look at this one little verse look at this one example right here i think they're ignoring the entire existence of christ which was just facing down like you said these powerful people these depraved people these degenerate people and just bluntly telling them the truth that needed to be told he told with like a woman you're an adulterer. Stop doing it. You know, you're that you're a, a tax collector. Stop doing that. You're a prostitute. Stop doing that. You know, he's telling these people really uncomfortable truths. Like, and to me, that's not an emotional person. That's someone who's like truly tapped into like logic, order and reason. And someone who's really giving people the truth they need to hear and not something that like they want to hear or something that's going to make them feel good or feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, one thing that I think is that emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence are connected, and the more you grow into the knowledge and the truth, it, it becomes a more manageable thing where it's not denial of your demo- emotion. Not like, and, you know, like, there's, I think it's Corinthians ten thirteen somewhere in there, but it says that Jesus was tempted in every way but so he he's we're not unique in our experience he experienced everything that is humanity but that he didn't 
So, you know, it, it looks like being able to process and being okay with where you're at with stuff, but also, you know, not letting it control you, not letting it define you or whatever. Um, Book of Ira 9-11. Yeah, because there is. But it's like, you know, you're going to get angry, but don't go to bed angry, right? And it's usually used in the context of, like, forgiveness. Like, if someone makes you mad, like, if a brother in the faith makes you mad, like, make sure that you forgive him before nightfall. Like, you're going to get angry. Like, think, like bad things are going to happen. Like, you're going to feel jealous. You're going to feel rage. You're going to feel happiness. You're going to feel like you're going to have, experience these emotions. But also, like, we're told to let them go and to not let them control us. Like, not, like, let them be in charge of our lives and in control of our minds and our hearts and our strength. Yeah. Your audio is messing up a little bit. Um, is, is it sound good for everybody else? It just lowered a lot. Lowered? Yeah, it just, it sounds like it's extra. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. A lot, of, a lot of difficulties tonight. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good, man. Let's see if it's, this does anything. No. <laughs> yeah, man, does that sound better? It does. Uh, Fort Mama says it's a little choppy. Um, just say more. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's better now, but now the video and the audio is like, it's all good. We'll just work through it. It's not to a point where it's been in other streams. Audio sounds 10. Yeah, it sounds like he's he's kind of contained or something. Is it good? Sound better? Yeah, what's up? Mama. No. It's lagging, man. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I had uh, one of my friends on my stream last week and of course it's like a, he's like in town too. So we're both like in the middle of a giant thunderstorm and our like power is like flickering and like our Wi-Fi's are going in and out. It's just like perfect time for a stream, you know. We could have picked it any other day of the week. <laughs> but of course we're both suffering through a thunderstorm, so yeah. Did you guys get sorry? Did you guys get yeah. after that bad weather? Yeah, those southern storms last week. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got. We'll, let's see. We're about an hour and a half in. What's up, Deep Blue Sea? What's up, guys? I don't know if I'm knowledge. What's up, Printer? Um, well, the next one you got. Um, how are you promoting yourself? <laughs> I don't know what is or what. That's just one of the questions. Um, yeah, I mean, I always promote myself as someone seeking God and his right ways. Um, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm still in my sanctification phase. Um, actually, just a few days ago um, was my three-year anniversary of, like, truly repenting of my sins and accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, Three years of being a Christian, you know, I'm still being corrected all the time. I'm still learning new things. You know, I've read the Bible now two and a half-ish times. Got kind of go for my third, my third and a half-ish times. 
Um, and even still, like there's stuff where I'm rereading it. And I'm like, whoa, like I didn't stop and think about this. Or oh, I just kind of glossed over this profit. Like, let me really deep dive into that, you know? So yeah, there's a lot I'm still <laughs> learning and need to learn and need to know, you know, and every day it's just a matter of like getting better um, slowly but surely and being honest about that and letting other people see that. Because like you, I mean, I do live streams, I do podcasts, I'm putting my journey out there, my thoughts out there for people. And I can't be like ignorantly stuck in this, like, I need to be perfect mode. I need to display myself as being perfect, which is what everyone tends to do on social media, right? Um, <laughs> it's not who you are, it's who you pretend to be or who you portray yourself to be a lot of times on social media. And probably not a lot in the bears, you know, in like our community, our circles, but just in general, like people just tend to do that, right? So they promote themselves as being like better than they are. And I actually promote myself as just like trying to be like as honest, like, hey, like I'm screwing up. <laughs> like, hey, I said I was going to do this a year ago. I definitely didn't do that, you know, like, and with that, people have come to like respect me and love me and like want to like take part in my journey, give me advice, give me help whenever they can. And a lot of people too have said like, I've done that for them. And like with Owen, like with bears, like on hanging with bears, like, you know, just people being like honest and just being like, yeah, I used to think that way and I don't anymore for this reason is so much better for us all as individuals, but also for the community at large. You know, when you see Owen like admit to a mistake and go forward in the truth, you know, that phrase, um, you know, I might be wrong, but I'm not lying is so real and so profound. And I think that's why a lot of people are here still. You know, you see an honest man seeking the truth. He might be wrong about this. You might disagree with him about him on like a certain topic or a handful of topics. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just like a person, like a humble person seeking what's good, true and beautiful and taking you along with that on taking you all along with him on that journey. Um, it makes people want to be a part of that journey, not only for their own benefit, but for like the benefit of helping others. So that's kind of what I promote. Like I try to promote my flaws. I try to promote my, you know, when I'm wrong and like, Oh, I used to think this way and now I don't for this and this reason. Um, I try to just promote myself like authentically true as possible, like a man with flaws and a man who's like seeking to overcome those flaws and like willing to take any advice or help he can along the way and give any advice or help he can to others along the way. So I promote truth and reality, even if it's ugly, that makes you look bad, you know, temporarily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's one thing I've never really been comfortable. I'm, I'm one of those things. I just let it happen. So, you know, promotion, even when I first started doing with hanging with the bears and stuff, like I really, I mean, I would make people aware, but I wasn't just like pushing it really hard. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with promotion or like, you know, we're always, you're always representing yourself, whether you intend to, or you're aware of it or not. And so, like, what you're saying as far as aspiring people to be authentic and to push for truth and stuff, man, like, I really believe you only can reproduce what you are and who you are as far as vulnerability or the access you give people to your life. And reality is, maybe some people are confused or deceived, but in general, I think all people think or know that everybody's screwed up. But, like, we have this idea and this mindset that, for whatever reason they don't or they don't think you know like we don't have grace for somebody in the process until they like or when they show us that they don't have it all together but um 
you know, it's it's interesting just to to be vulnerable in that way and to see other people want that and to be able to do that themselves because, you know, that's the only way you're truly going to grow. You know, you can act like you can, you know, present yourself a certain type of way or whatever, but like, I, and that's why with my whole process this whole time or whatever, I've been brutally honest because I want, one, I want it to save people's marriages and for people to like connect and be able to overcome or whatever, like, but more than anything, I want, like, th I believe this has been a season of tremendous growth for people. And um, growth can only come by people being vulnerable and people holding each other accountable or whatever. And, you know, it's just very, being brutally honest with yourself. And, and, and it, I believe personally, if you're pursuing God and stuff, sometimes you need outside influence or whatever. But you're, if you're really pursuing God, you'll be taking a personal inventory or Holy Spirit will be showing you stuff to work on to where you really don't need a whole lot of people telling you to adjust your behavior. You may sometimes, but it's like, you know, you're working through it at your own pace. So, I mean, I, I think that like, you know, being comfortable in yourself and presenting yourself or being like, this is who I am is, is necessary and it's vital um, for, for other people to want to be authentic to their self as well though. And and I, I appreciate that people see um you know I'm I I have areas where pride tries to creep in with me as well. I have little things and stuff as a whole. Do I think that I think I've got it all together? I'm you know, I'm I'm it or whatever, like I'm God's gift to women or something, you know, like none of that. But you know, do I have moments of frustration or do I have areas where I'm like, you know, I could be more consistent there or more faithful, yeah. like for sure. So, I mean, I'm okay with it. You know, the, I think the big thing is not beating yourself up. Like when you recognize the opportunity for growth and you recognize the area that you didn't have as much stability as you thought you could, just like own it and then move forward. Don't just stay stuck in that place of like, man, I thought I was further than I am. Yeah. Yeah, so true. And um, just when you're like winning, like you're winning the battles, you're overcoming, you're like doing so good. Like, that's when pride slaps you in the face, right? When you're like, look at how good of a job I'm doing. Look at all that good I'm doing. Me, me, me. You know, it's real hard to, like, as soon as you start fighting off all those old sins and you start overcoming all those bad habits, you always have to be aware of that pride that's going to creep in, you know, you patting yourself on the back and taking, yeah. you know, too much joy in, in your own accomplishments and not giving the glory up to God, like to a higher being. It's tough. Yeah. It'll, yeah, it'll I mean, creep in the back door, you know. Just when you thought, just when you thought you had everything figured out, you know, it's a good thing to, <laughs> or something that can tear you right back down. Like, it's a verse. Pride comes before the the fall, and you know, I've I've seen this in my own life over and over again, man. And so it's something that I really try to be careful with, and it's it's a very real thing, man. But I, and I believe this is how it works. If you get to a place where you are um, prideful, arrogant, whatever, and then you place judgment on somebody else's life in an area of vulnerability or weakness, usually that's the exact spot the enemy will test you in because you think you just said the pride thing, where it's like, you know, you can come from a place of compassion or say, you know, 
this is something I see without it having that self-righteousness in it, you know? But as soon as you're like, oh, well, I'll never do this again. Then it's like, the enemy's like, okay, well, are you completely positive? Or, you know, like, just to see if there, there's like real stability and, and growth in that area. Yeah. I don't know. We've been, we've been going about an hour and 40 minutes, man. I've been enjoying the conversation. Um, what's up, spies? What's up, ARD, Brewster Bear? Well, cool, man. Um, honestly, I've been drinking this water. So I'm, I, ever since I had the surgery when I was young, like a few years ago, like I pissed every hour and a half, two hours. It needs too much information. It's like usually within an hour or so of doing these, I've got to pee. That's part of the reason I really go over two hours. But um, we can go for probably another 30, maybe 20 or 30 minutes, man. But um, let's see. Oh, I understand that. There's a, there's a bladder timeline, and it can't be a. Uh... <laughs> It's because it can't be extended. The warranty on that can't be extended. Extended, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm good with it. Like, I'll roll with it, but it's just, you know, it definitely is not like it's not like the days where you could go eight yeah. hours without taking a piss, <laughs> especially taking walk. Which I'm sure that's somebody's gonna tell me that's unhealthy for me anyway. But um, another topic was, can somebody teach you how to be a woman? What, sorry, it broke up. What was it? Can someone teach you how to Ooh, be a man? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, see, I would say no. I would say no because I think no. that God teaches you how to be a man or a woman. Like God has made you that way for a reason. And I mean, by default, you're only going to really interact with men or women. So that's kind of like how you're going to stumble upon the knowledge. But I think truly like the essence of the man or the woman that you were created to be is something that you have to find through a relationship with God. Like you have to become that person that he designed and created you to be by spiritually seeking him out, him and his right ways out. Um, so, I mean, you can like, you know, young boys can learn how to be strong and polite and, you know, do the, go through the motions of being a quote unquote man or a real man by the other men in the community. And, you know, we can, boomers did a bad job right like we can we can say like our predecessors right. did a bad job raising and teaching young men how to become men and young women how to become like real good women but it, the real true deep down answer is that like no like no physical man or woman can teach you how to do that it's going to come from god alone it's going to come from tapping into the logos um those people just are kind of there to help you along the way, <laughs> give you advice along the way, give you challenges and obstacles along the way, give you um, little things along the way that can help you in that journey. But truly becoming the man that you were created to be, the woman that you were created to be, is going to have to come with the help of God. Otherwise, it's just going to be nothing but falling short of that. You can come close. You know, you can learn how to like lift weights and eat the right food to become like strong and masculine and have like high testosterone. But to truly become the man you were created to be, you have to return to God spiritually to do that, to really learn what you need to do. Because um, being a real man, like, it can be different for different people. So, I mean, some tribes, they need you to hunt. <laughs> they need food. They need you to be a warrior and protect the village. Like, that's the environment. And some tribes, like, you just need to, like, be there. You just need to be, like, an intelligent person that can, like, be there 
morally to raise your kids. Like if your society is more like comfortable and less high risk, you know, you don't necessarily need to be strong with muscles, but you do need to be like a good man in other regards. So the definition of like being a good man can vary by just kind of like what tribe you were born into um, or just what role in that tribe you were born into. Are you the builder in the tribe or are you the warrior? Are you the, you know, the intellectual, the leader, the diplomat of the tribe? Or are you just a cog in the machine? Are you just a laborer? You know, so whatever role you were born into, too, that kind of plays a part of, like, what man you need to become. Do you need to become, like, a physically strong man because, like, your family and your community, your tribe needs you to do that? Or do you become, like, a smart man who becomes a healer, like a doctor or, uh, you know, some kind of, like, leader in the community, some kind of, like, diplomat for the community? Like, it just kind of is going to depend. And, like, becoming that man that you need to be to serve the best purpose, to serve your family best, your community best, truly that's going to happen when you like return to God and you learn what God wants you to do and what God needs you to do and like what the right ways are, what, what the correct moral compass is for you. Um, so that, that can vary. So you can read a book on like how to become a man, or you can listen to all the manosphere people and be like, Hey, I'm a real man now. I do, I do uh, jujitsu two times a week and I eat healthy and I lift weights. Yeah. I'm a big, strong man. It's like kind of, but truly becoming the man you were created to be, that's only going to happen through a return to God, not listening to the right podcasts and managing your schedule right to lift weights and eat healthy. You know, that's going to make you a better physically fit person or, you know, a higher testosterone person, or you might be more successful with your money or successful with your status or whatever, but to truly become that man you were created to be like, you're going to have to return to God to receive instructions from him. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think here, what you're saying is to find your path and your trajectory. Only God can show yeah. you what the course of your yeah. life is, right? I mean, because, like, you know, I think that's the, and this is the thing with a lot of this stuff is with different denominations or whatever. It's like people have a different vantage point on something. And then, like, they isolate the different perspectives or, you know, like they're, they're they're emphasizing it from a, a just a slightly different angle, and then you know they just don't understand where the other person's coming from. But like I get that, and I I mean you do you need people to show you like these basic life skills. But as far as what your purpose is, you know even like you look at Jesus when um you know he got baptized, it says the heavens opened up and then the the spirit descended like a dove on him. And then the father gave him his blessing. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And before that, he had never done a miracle. Like, or we'll say there was no documented miracles before that happened. And that was the father giving his approval, saying that nothing you do is going to qualify you. Everything's going to come from a place of knowing that you have my blessing. And from that place, everything will overflow. So, you know, I, I, I like I understand where you're coming from when you say God is is got to give you that specific designation of what your course is or it's going to look different for everybody. You know, there's these fundamental needs or, or purposes, but it does vary according to culture who, you know, you, you're even your the grace on your life is going to determine where. And that's one thing I've had to like learn in my life or just be OK, it's because. We have this mindset, oh, well, if everybody, if every, man, every man's a man, then you got to be able to do whatever this is, like build a house. 
or but or if you're not that then like are you operating according to purpose you know what i mean and but the reality is that people and you know situations that look completely different that doesn't mean that they're operating out of design or whatever it may be very unique situations where god has a very specific assignment for them so that's i mean that's one thing and you know, I agree. Everybody has to bring stuff of value to the table. You can't be a leech. It's a service thing, all that. But when it comes down to it, it's just, it's easy to place judgment on somebody's life because it looks different than yours. But the reality is they may be operating exactly yep. the way they're supposed to be. Yeah. My phone starts <laughs> adding up again, but um, all right. Yeah, it's about to die, but so okay and then the next one how do you feel about your weaknesses <laughs> i hate them except we're not supposed to hate <laughs> <laughs> what like, said, i'm just serving them to both of us i'm like all right well, we'll, we'll see how <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean they're there for like I said, they're great questions. They're just yeah. hard hitting. Like, you got some really direct, honest <laughs> questions. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah, they are challenging. But yeah, I mean, they're needed, right? Like, your weaknesses are there for a reason. They're to test you, they're to try you, they're to make you strive to get better. So, where you're weak, if you can like truly identify that, if you can recognize yourself as who you are, not be in denial of it, not make excuses for your weaknesses. Say, this is what I'm bad at. This is what I'm slipping up in. This is what's leading me away from my walk with God. Like this thing, this idol I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm spending too much time doing this and not enough time doing this. Like when you can really truly identify your real weaknesses, not be in denial, not make excuses, not have that like victim mindset, like, oh, well, it's not my fault. Or, oh, it's, you know, someone else did this to me. Now I just going to have to deal with it. But truly like identifying your weaknesses and, then after that, like truly recognizing you have weaknesses, identifying them, and then after that, moving on to the stage of like, how do I overcome this? How do I get better at this? How do I turn this weakness into a strength? Or how do I just eliminate it from my life? Like I don't have to like flip it around, but how can I just make sure that like, what, like that, like addiction to porn is no longer existing in my life anymore? Like identify it first, don't make excuses for it. Don't act like it's not a big deal identify the weakness, learn it's like a problem that you were given one reason or another. And it's a test. It's a battle that you have to fight. Now you go forward and you fight it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's no one wants to be weak. No one wants to have weaknesses. No one wants to have like things that cause them to slip up and fail, but they're going to happen. And everyone's is going to be different. Like yours is different than mine, which is different than everyone else individually here in the chat, you know, different lives, different circumstances, different experiences, different traumas, but all of our weaknesses, whatever they are, like if you can just humbly and honestly admit that you have them, not make excuses and like um, deny them away, deny their existence or deny the, like, the impact they have on your life and how much harm they're causing you. Um, and then you can move forward into the correction stage or the overcoming stage. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing to like have weaknesses Temporarily, no, like they're bad. They're, <laughs> you should hate them. You should want them to not exist, but they are like what you need and like you're going to be a better person. If you are doing that, if you can look back and say like, 
like for me, like I used to be weak with like alcohol and like substance addiction. Like I smoke cigarettes. I smoke weed all day, every day. I drink like four or five nights a week, you know? And looking back now and being like, you know, I'm like three years sober. Like I've just spent three years, like totally overcoming those problems. Like I no longer have a weakness that is substance abuse, like at all, you know, it's just not even a thing anymore. Now I have a weakness with eating too much food. You know, now I have a weakness with not managing my time well enough. Now I have other weaknesses that do need to be overcome, isolated, attacked, you know, <laughs> fought against. But I can look back at like my past weaknesses and say like, man, it is possible for me to overcome this stuff. Man, it is possible for me to rise up. And yeah, it is possible for these weaknesses to turn into like something either non-existent or if you can go all the way full circle and make them like a strength. How can you turn that into a strength and into a positive in your life? what once was something that was tearing you down, you know, now is, is it reusing it to like lift yourself back up? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier though. Just it's necessary, man. It's necessary to talk about it. It's necessary to take ownership of it. Um, you know, and I, I think about the verse, this is something that constantly pops up in my head in different situations, but where Paul said, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast only in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may be revealed. And so it's saying, because I'm taking ownership, God can flow through it and we can overcome it together. But, um, you know, that, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't, I try not to be self-deprecating, you know, or like whatever, where it's like, you know, you can joke and, and be playful about areas that you need to grow in. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, nothing about me enjoys being brutally honest or vulnerable. It's just, that's the only way you grow. That's the only way you overcome, the only way you ever get any kind of stability and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I just, I would say it's, to anybody that doesn't think they have a weakness, they probably don't probably lot of their days through and look at how their interaction of the situations in their life are going but um my phone is on 50 percent, so i don't want to die and lose i mean we probably got a couple like two or three more minutes did you have any other thoughts anybody you wanted to shout out anything you're doing in the future you wanted to like make people aware of? um yeah well you can just find me on all the things Jonathan Corey. um i'm on you know, I do live streams every week. I do kind of some other some stuff here and there. Good news for my dude streams. I haven't done for a while. I'm going to try to bring that back um, on my Instagram page. But yeah, if you just look for S-E-A-N-A-T-H-A-N-C-O-R-Y, Seanathan Corey, on YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, TV.Gab. Um, I always forget the giant list of all the alternative platforms that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> Odyssey. Um, the live streams I do are usually almost almost always are on Monday nights, and I'm on D Live still somehow. They didn't kick me off yet, and Provo didn't kick me off somehow. Uh, I don't know how I survived all those purges and bannings, but if you're still there, you can find me. I'm on Twitch.tv, um, yeah, Odyssey.com, and all the podcast apps and stuff. If you just search for me, Jonathan Corey, you can find me there. Find my live streams is either a podcast or on the video sites as a video option. And it's my fourth appearance on Hang With Bears. Everyone has been amazing. You guys are amazing. I, I, uh, the one thing I regret every week when I go to hit, like, 
live, hit the live button on my live stream is that it happens the same time as the Monday Night Hangover with Bears, and it kind of grieves me. But you guys, you guys have left me with no other option because you guys are crushing seven days a week. There's no way for me to, <laughs> for me myself to crush one day of those weeks because you guys are always out there crushing. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to skip a hanging with bears on a Monday okay. night and catch my live stream, I, I stream usually about like at the same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central time. Um, and yeah, every time I've been on hanging with bears, it's been a blast. You were just recently on my stream. If people want to go find uh, that um, sharing of the testimony and talking about some similar cool like faith and theology questions there at the end. Um, it was a few, it was a month, two months ago, I think, February. And I think it was live stream 86 on my channel feed. So if you want to look up live stream 86, Real Bear was on my um, live stream. And you had me on for Hang With Bears. And so every time we've talked, it's been just great. Amazing. <laughs> Love talking with you, brother. I appreciate it for sure. And uh, so wait, there was something I wanted to say real quick. Yeah, no to, um, oh, they're open now, man. So you're you're good. Like, that we haven't had anybody oh, nice. on Mondays. So, like, you know, Everything going on, going on, go check him out, whatever. He's always got a lot of spiritual insight and some diverse, unique people on there. Um, but I appreciate it, man. I know, and you got, you're part of yeah, the Legion. Yeah, big well, shout right? out to the Legion. Legion of Bears. Um, monthly challenge. It's every other month, um, either for veterans, people who have like done it before, can kind of rejoin um, and do the veteran challenge. And if you're new, if you've never done it before, um, you're looking to become a better man, a stronger man. You're looking to have like a community that can hold you accountable, <laughs> motivate you and give you advice along the way. There's kind of like a one month uh, recruitment stage where if you can survive one month, you're kind of welcome into the Legion. So I definitely recommend anyone out there who hasn't been involved with it yet or given it a shot yet to give it a try. Um, I hesitated for a while. I heard about the Legion and I made some excuses myself to not join. And I regretted it when I finally went through with it and joined. And I'm now just like in this awesome online collective, this awesome Christian brotherhood of like men who by default are men and bears, almost all, um, keep holding each other accountable, giving each other advice, like strengthening each other. You know, the iron sharpens iron concept of building each other up and motivating each other and mocking each other when you need to be mocked, you know, and <laughs> encouraging people when they need to be encouraged and, um, yeah, it's just a great time. So yeah, shout out to Legion of Bears, all those guys. I don't have a list in front of me, but if, you, if you're interested in um, joining, you can hit up uh, Telecaster Bear, Joe Gagan in the chat. He can get you the information. You can message me, DM me, or private message me, and I can get you in contact with the right people too. Um, yeah, it's great. Are you? When, when are you joining? When are you, when are you getting in there? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Time for me to put you right. on the spot here tonight and ask you when you're gonna join. <laughs> I don't I'm dude, I'm man, I'm not real big on systems, but no, I've always supported like ever since it originally started, I've been very yep. supportive of it and I you know, I believe in everything you guys are doing. Um it's awesome. I don't know, maybe I'll do Love it eventually. That. Um but at this point I don't see it in the future, you can't honestly, force anyone to join, but I highly recommend. We'd love to have you yeah. in. So, but man, my phone is literally about to die. But I appreciate you hanging. Great chat. I appreciate everybody hanging out. And uh, yeah, you too, brother. Thanks. Thanks for having.
Değil mi?